0: what's up everybody michael johnson here with the business choreography podcast and i'm excited that you joined me today because today we have a very special guest we have sam malacharjanon and it took me a while to say his last name but he is incredible and i'm excited to introduce you to him and share with you all the cool things that he's done in his journey sam is a ceo and co-founder of onscreen.ai the marketing or marketplace For provider for buying and selling out-of-home advertising. He was chief revenue officer at Flock and head of growth at HubSpot Labs. Sam taught advanced digital marketing, SaaS economics, and innovation management at Harvard Division of Continuing Education. He is the co-author and of the best-selling book, inbound commerce, how to sell better than Amazon. And he's an avid podcast guest and industry speaker. We are excited to have him on the show today and share with you his story, share with you a little bit more about what he does and how he can help you in your business. So we'll cue the intro and then we'll jump right in. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Sam, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. It's always such a great time to be able to meet with other entrepreneurs that are just rocking the house in their businesses and all the things that they're doing. I know it's not always like that. And so today we're going to dig in a little bit to the backstory, how you got to be at this point where you're uh, running uh, the amazingness that you are. And so I want to dig in a little bit more to the backstory, how you got to this point. I mean, you've done so many cool things, but Let's kind of start back into the beginning when you maybe started jumping into your own thing and doing your own business stuff and and got all of your things going. Yeah, so
1: it actually goes back to when I was hosting a FM talk radio show about cigars uh, <laughs> in, in Florida and all, all the cigar companies are like, uh, hey, Sam, like, you know how the internet, I don't, I don't know why they're Boston gangster accents, but well, you know how the internet works, right? <laughs> right? I guess I know how the internet works. Uh, and they asked me to build them websites. And so I did, uh, and then they didn't make any money off their websites. And I'm like, I don't know how to help you with that. Um, so I Googled around, found this cool company called HubSpot, um, wasn't qualified to work there. So didn't have a college degree, no marketing background. So I built a, a site called hiremehubspot.com to register for the free webinar on why you should hire me. Uh, this is before account-based marketing was really a thing. Right. Um, Best campaign I ever ran three hours, 26 minutes to, before a recruiter called me after I hit go, and then uh, was there for almost eight years. So, built the e commerce team, led our expansion to Latin America. We were we were small, we were like 100 ish people when I joined. Uh, now wow. they're like 7,000 people. Wow! So, so, that was that was quite a ride. And then after that, I was at Flock. Um, I was at Flock when the pandemic hit, oh. and uh, this company, One Screen, was started by accident actually. It was originally a hackathon from HubSpot alumni, trying to help small businesses find right. ways to make money. Right. Uh, and, you know, cause Andre, my co-founder, his wife is like a doctor. We're like, had, we're, you know, economics and growth nerds. Like what, what can we do? <laughs> uh, so I had the idea what if there was a Google display network for the real world and people could make money off of screens inside their businesses. I uh, Did that, handed out some big giant checks. You actually can, get those big printed checks to hand out <laughs> uh, Did a, what we call a reverse stealth mode. We called everybody who could find in the industry, told them what we'd done clear channel out front, Lamar, et cetera. Um, discovered that it's the only traditional ad medium still growing. It, it's not, li- you know, linear TV or something like that, right. but it's run on spreadsheets and post-it notes Uh, and doing a campaign has no data behind it and you got to call 40 different companies and send actual faxes. Uh, So that's what we decided. Okay. You know, it's a hundred twenty billion a year industry growing anyways, running our post-it notes. What if we made a marketplace so that you could take everything you've learned in digital marketing online and apply those tricks to a a four dimensional context. So that's what we've been at. Yeah. For the last couple of years.
0: That is crazy. And, and, you know it's sort of the epitome of looking at what is needed in the world and figuring out the solution for it and you hear that all the time i think as as owners and and yet sometimes it seems as though there's like this brick wall in front of people doing that how did you guys like i, I mean on screen holy cow like why how did you even think of that to get into
1: i mean it's it's interesting to me because I I teach this stuff, right? Right. Studies on disruptive innovation and blue ocean strategy, things that are like cliches at this point. Right. But I I never thought I'd have a chance to actually deploy it myself in the real world because there's not a lot of big industries left that meet those dynamics. Right. Um, And so when we came across this, you you just recognize the symptoms, if you will, uh, of an industry that's, that's ripe for, for disruption uh, where it's got you know an overserved low end of the market, it's got a larger market of non-participating consumers, people like me. I've spent a hundred million on internet ads in fifteen years. Right. Billboards twice before this. Once was so just to piss off competitors. <laughs> um. So like, yeah, it, it's honestly, it's why we did the reverse self mode thing was because it just seemed implausible to us that this existed. Right. Uh, but it's because they've never had pressure. There's never been a, a digital threat or a disruption to the real world. Right. Like, billboard since there have been people somebody's been writing this week's mastodon specials on a cave wall somewhere. Uh, and the billboards not really in street furniture and things, you know, haven't really evolved as an industry in a, in a couple hundred years. So that's what makes it fun though. Right. right. I didn't want to launch just the 10,000 and first, you know, email <laughs> marketing software company. So sure. something new in a new, in a new context.
0: Well, and it must have made a big difference uh, with the tech sort of catching up with even the billboard industry. I mean, you've noticed it now all over the the freeways and, and having more digital billboards. That that must have made a big difference as well, right?
1: So the majority of inventory is still printed. Uh, really? Only 3% is, that, is digital. Um, um, and so that's like one of the... Th- issues we had to solve was you don't buy something on Amazon and then call a paper company to have a box made and then call UPS to see if like they wouldn't mind swinging past the warehouse to pick it up for you on, on the, and drop it over your house. Right. But that's how you do billions of dollars in out of home campaigns. Right. So like being able to have printing integrated with buying the inventory, integrated with paying for creative services, integrated with, you know, having data to know, did people, you know, did my billboard reach the right people? Did they actually visit my website after they drove past it? Uh, having all of that in one kind of context has never been a thing before.
0: Absolutely, and and having that ability is huge. I mean, I know that a lot of times the digital marketing space uh, has been able to throw rocks at the idea of doing that type of marketing, that out of home uh, marketing, because you couldn't track it because of what you were saying, you couldn't get the data that you needed. And, and in comparison to direct mail, it always felt like that was clunky. So what kind of things have you guys done to solve that, uh, for people that are used to direct marketing?
1: Yeah, it it always, to me, felt like linear TV or or something else worse for companies with more budget than brains. Um, but we've spent 20 years optimizing every inch of the internet. So there's not much left there, especially for startups. Sure. So uh, a lot of our users are tech startups. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Brex, the fintech company, uh, famously launched their company uh, using billboards in San Francisco. Right. Uh, If you're doing account-based marketing, a lot of the same tools that are used for urban planning or commercial real estate are what we use. So if you want to reach people who work at the HubSpot office, you could buy a billboard on 95 and reach the most people but nobody takes 95 to go to work at the HubSpot office. So you can reach a lot of people, but you're not going to reach the right people. Right. So having that data to be able to make an intelligent purchase decision and then analyze your campaign so it gets better every time you run it, um, that's that's new to the medium. And I think that's what made it fun for me because marketing kind of, people like me ruin marketing, <laughs> but we're all just like click jockeys now, running our 5,000th right. AV tests on AdWords, trying to get right. 0.1% more. Um, now we've got people like you know wearing backpacks, doing you know chalk campaigns uh, on the sidewalk, doing floating billboards. you can sponsor little league teams through the through the platform. like it's a it's a very dynamic uh, kind of medium to be able sure. to do marketing in. so it's fun, but it's still data driven. So like right. you you can still feel proud of the fact that you're helping your business grow, but you don't have to just, you know, run the same experiments we've all been running for 20 years.
0: Well, just to sort of curb my my curiosity, can we talk a little bit more about in the weeds of how you go about getting data on something that seems very difficult to get data on?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different sources we've got to ingest. Uh, you, you don't want to see our AWS bill. Um, <laughs> but a, a lot of it's the same data that like Starbucks uses to determine where they're going to put their next coffee shop to reach coffee drinkers, right? Right. We just take that same approach or to, you know, decide like where you should put a billboard or an LED truck to reach a certain type of audience Uh, and integrating data from sources you might not expect. Like the Bureau of Labor Statistics has job titles by zip code. And so we ingest all of that. Then we can look at the the urban planning data for you want to target, you know, tech executives, uh, you know, marketers at at tech companies. Um, We can say, okay, where do those people live? Uh, And then where do they, how do they physically drive around? Where do they go? What's their actual buyer's journey? You overlay that on where there's inventory and that gives you your plan. So it's the same audience-based approach you take to Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads, just with, you know, a, a different medium that people don't hate.
0: Oh my gosh, that is incredible. And I, you know, I've oftentimes, and I remember looking back at, at, oh, you know, maybe we should do some billboards. And, and as I thought about it, and as we looked at it for one of our businesses, it was like, well, I I feel like I know too much about digital marketing. And I don't know how in the world I would ever get that data. So being able to hear this from somebody that gets it and understands the digital marketing side, oh my gosh, that, that should give all of our listeners some serious, uh, you know, comfort in knowing that the stuff you're doing is data driven. And that's, huge that is such a huge element to it i suppose once that's the case do you help at all with the other side of it or is it do they need to come to you with their funnels and their list building and all that stuff already created on that side and you just take care of this side or do you have stuff that does both sides
1: so Most of the marketers we work with are relatively sophisticated. They've got funnels. They've got, they know how to deploy a pixel on their website. They've been doing Facebook ads and everything else like that. And we're very much the same way. We give you a pixel for your website. We still have to help people understand what out of home is and what can be because they think of billboards. Right. And it can be so much more than that. Right. Um, like you can have QR codes, you know, drones flying the shape of QR codes at night and things like that. Right. Like, uh, that is still the big challenge that that we have is, you know, unblowing people's minds from what's possible. You can wrap cars and like drive them around. You know, the companies you're trying to sell to. Uh, you know, like that's that's our big challenge is uh, getting over the the almost overwhelming nature of breaking free of you know the internet, which is actually pretty simple. It's two dimensional context, right? With, you know, a click, and helping people understand that. You know, you, you got to have a good plan and then you got the, you know, if your goal is to drive website traffic, you've got a pixel and that tells you what units worked better than other units. Uh, it leads to a weird dynamic. Uh, we had a call this morning with a customer and I had to curb their CEO's enthusiasm because <laughs> he's like, why don't we spend more money faster? Not because you have no baseline of data. Right. You, you have nothing on which you could spend more money. We're not going to stop you. But we generally try and like rein in people's enthusiasm so that they run a campaign, they learn from it, and then they can grow from there.
0: I love that. That is so cool and and very cool to have sort of an advocate on that side that that really understands and knows how to do it. But I love the the innovativeness of the out of home. When I first saw that uh, in learning about you and 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 gathering some data, I. I just could not wrap my head around this idea of out of home. And at first, when I first saw it, I thought, what the heck is out of home? Like, what is that? But it sort of it sort of sparked my curiosity on it and I started digging in a little bit more. But I mean, I love this idea from you saying that there are little league teams that you can sponsor to drones. I mean, that's, that's just so out of the box that it, it really seems that, that our listeners when they come your direction will need your creative and innovative, uh, ideas to do that. And so that's, I'm assuming something that when they sit down with you, you'll start digging through what their needs are and, and how they work and what kind of creative ideas you have to, to make those, uh, come to life. Right. Yeah. We, it very much reminds me
1: of the earlier days of like inbound marketing. And we had to explain to CEOs what a search engine was before we could <laughs> get them using like SEO software. And sure. They thought blogging was something their nephew did on live journal, not something like serious businesses do. Right. Um, it's, it's very much that that same context. We, we, we've got to explain to people what's possible. Uh, you know, we can bring the data. Uh, we, it, just like HubSpot, by the way, like we have agency partners that we can bring in if you don't know how to execute things yourself. Um, that, but it is fun to see people's minds get blown. Again, they get a little overexcited. We've got to like rein in. They're like, oh, like I can, you know, do laser projections on the Brooklyn Bridge in Manhattan. It's like, you, you can, but do you want to start there, uh, or do you want to start with like? you know, some billboards, some mass transit, some street furniture, and understand what creative is going to work well and, and how are you going to reach that audience. So, um, but that's what makes it fun, right? Like our jobs as marketers isn't to get, you know, it's not a game of inches, right? We we have to be exploring new mediums right? Uh, because you do what everyone else does. You get what everyone else gets. And most other companies aren't having a very good time of it right now. Right. So, and well, especially I- when, you're, when you're a startup, like, you're fighting these incumbents who have been optimizing their Facebook ads with a team of 50 for the last 10 years. Right. You're not going to come in fresh with your like maybe one full-time marketer that you have probably and go toe-to-toe with them in Facebook ads. You've got to fight mm. a different game.
0: Yeah, totally. So you got this idea with your, um, with your co-founder and you guys thought, okay, let's just dig in and do this. I mean, this is such a huge – project. I mean, if you're talking about people that are that are doing this work without all the advanced data that you guys are bringing to the table, how did you make that jump to decide to get into something that needed that much work?
1: One, it was something that I was passionate about because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a marketer. It's my, my main background. Right. And so I was frustrated and all of my friends and networks were frustrated with, you know, the increasing costs and decreasing yield of all the channels that we had available. Right. Uh, and so like, it it was just, it's the most fun I've had doing marketing since we invented social media. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that was, that was a reason to get into it. And then my co-founder Andre, uh, our CTO, he's got a master's degree in artificial intelligence from Columbia. And, you know, you, you think about the impact AI had on the internet Sure. Real world is much more complicated. Right. Like if it's raining, it doesn't make your Facebook ads campaign not work. Right. But if somebody was wanting to do a chalk campaign or something like that on the ground, it, it will make that not work or you you might not be able to see the billboards or, um, if you're buying airport sponsorships, things like checking to see, uh, are you buying in the right terminal? Like, are people? Are you in the terminal in Vegas where people are actually coming from San Francisco to go to the conference, or are you in the international terminal? It's like these these things that nobody think about, right? Um, and that's why we decided to do it. Like we toyed with a with a bunch of different ideas about what we wanted to do, kind of next in our careers. Uh, this is my first time being CEO. I've been CRO, CMO, etc. Um, and we wanted to do something worth tackling, so, right? We might have gotten overexcited um it's been <laughs> it's been a lot of work uh we we thought we would come into this industry and fight facebook with machine learning and we can and we will but it's the whole you can't sell cars in a country without roads thing right even right. it's an ai-powered self-driving car sure um there was no director we we built we have the only directory of who owns what and where
0: like, right
1: that didn't exist right uh, and so know we had to solve some of those problems before we could really get into the fun ai data stuff and i I think we underestimated that
0: (laughs) well that kind of leads me to the next uh question you know we we talked about this a little beforehand and everybody loves to talk about how things are going well and after everything is sort of working uh but let's talk a little bit about the challenging times like when when it was like oh man what did we get ourselves into and are we going to be able to keep this going did you have some of those moments where it was like okay here we go hail mary let's we got to do what we got to do to make this thing work and and we just got to get through this period of time you know
1: that's like every startup right is like just getting through this period of time so that you can get to the next period of time you you get through your seed so you can get to your A so you can get to your series B. Um, and then doing that in this period of history where just you call them volatility cycles or just insanity cycles at this point are just like faster and more extreme, um, to where you have to plan for things like, you know, instead of like a, a eight-year venture capital cycle, maybe venture capitalists are going to freak out every 18 months now. Apparently, like, right. that's a thing. Um, so I think that's that's been a challenge for us and me in particular, is I've had to change my frame of reference from right. what I've learned and known in the past uh, to dealing with what I have to deal with now. Like, you've got to be way more cash efficient. You can't, you know, burn a bunch of cash, grow really fast, and then just trust there's going to be investment out there. Um, like, you could... Even you know three four years ago, right? Uh, you know when everybody was favoring kind of growth over uh, over any other business metric, which is why, by the way, I, I love the the concept of this podcast. Is everybody wants to hire a CMO or something like that? In reality, you probably need a COO, right? Right? Like the tools are out there. You you've got really easy CRMs, marketing automation suites, you know, stuff that you that you can deploy. It's not like It was 15 years ago where you had to hard code Salesforce to make it work. Um, But, you know, our CRM, I've got to dig in later because we've got like seven properties that represent revenue that people have created over time. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that really messes you up if you don't, you know, keep track. When you start going fast when you're small is easy. Going fast when you're big is easy. Continuing to go fast while you become big is really, really hard. And that's where people make mistakes.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and, and it's sort of the nature of your business, you know, being able to get the, your customers to get out of the box a little bit and, and see things a little different. It's the same, same thing, same process uh, for when times are hard, you know, you got to think a little bit out of the box, understand what you're, where you're headed and, and realize that maybe if you keep doing the same thing, everybody's already done, then you're going to get the same thing they've already gotten. And, uh, and I love that that approach about how and what you guys are doing and it seems so much more accessible and i feel like in the past this you know out of home advertising concept just seemed a little bit out of reach almost for some people they'd look at it and they go oh that's just that's so complicated and i don't understand how it works and And so they just move on and I can dump some money into Facebook ads. And you're like, well, yeah, but you're literally doing just that. You're going to dump some money in Facebook ads because you're probably going to do it wrong when you start and just, just get in and do it. So I I love this direction. Like what? What's sort of the process look like when somebody uh, new that hasn't been doing out-of-home advertising and they're coming to you from scratch, having come from a Facebook, Google Ads type of perspective, What what's the process they go through when they come to you? Uh,
1: well, the first thing we do is talk them out of running in New York and San Francisco. <laughs> Everybody wants to run in America's most distracting city and, and most expensive like inventory DMA. It turns out your customers do probably also live in Dallas and Atlanta and other right. places. Um, and you can get a lot more data for the money if you don't run in one of the major DMAs first. Um, the second part is explaining to people that it is measurable because right. they th- that's n- that's not something we assume. Uh, and I, I didn't either, right? I was the same way. It was always just easier to pour more money into Facebook ads and, you know, AdWords and stuff like that. Now you, you can't do that anymore. Co- costs are kind of, that's why their revenues are declining. Uh, costs are uh, kind of maxing out to what businesses can sustain. Um, and I, I wish I'd known about it. Like if I, if I had known that I could wrap a an ice cream truck in HubSpot orange and park it outside of Salesforce's conference every year. <laughs> like that is so much easier than the like you know crazy stuff that we were trying to do to target Salesforce customers uh, right. back in the day. Right. But I, it's not that I th- it's and we find this with most people. It's not that we I thought about out of home and rejected it. Just never it wasn't even part of the course i taught at harvard it just never entered my consideration cycle so once you get people to think about it and they realize that it's not just for big brands it's not as expensive as people think it is it's actually cheaper on a cpm basis than most other channels right um and it is measurable it's something that heavily favors challenger brands especially startups um then then it's then it's a no-brainer. The the user interface is very much like Facebook ads. You say like I want to reach people who drink bourbon and are tech executives and yada yada, and it ranks the inventory for you using the algorithm. Um, and then the then the only other difference is marketers have this obsession with refreshing dashboards. Uh, <laughs> and this is not an email campaign where you blast it out. And you start seeing data come in right right away, right? <laughs> Uh, or, right. or Facebook ads or anything else like that. So getting them to remember their basic statistics, right? Like you're not going to have statistically significant results for two to four weeks. So, you know, let's check in then. Uh, as a marketer, that's hard for me. Like I like to sit there and refresh dashboards too, uh, to ha- to launch a campaign and then have to wait like two weeks to really start to see data coming in uh, before you can make optimizations. Unless you're targeting an event, uh, then it's very easy, you know, right. drive, drive a box truck around the, the inbound event or something
0: sure no i I mean I I, I totally agree I mean the whole refreshing your dashboard <laughs> I love that and it, it's so true but I I ironically I think that even when you run your google ads or your Facebook ads, Most of the time, what I've found is that people are too busy looking at them too soon. You're just like, you know what? Just let it go and do its thing and just don't look. You have to be willing to put that money in and let it do its work. And they do it on Facebook and Google ads too. So if you're going to do it there too, then you might as well give this a shot and see how it goes, right? And and see how you can use this data to your advantage. I, I love this. It's so cool. And it's such a refreshing view on something that like you said, has been around and been available for everybody, but you guys have done, uh, done what maybe needed to be done, which is taking it to a a new level with your data and your analytics and and being able to show the backing of it. And I think that is incredible. It's really great. And so fun to hear when someone like you can come in and and really do that and provide such a great solution for people. And it's really cool. Uh, You know, the I guess the next thing really is we could I could sit here and chat with you all day, but let's let's take it to this space. If somebody from our audience wants to get in touch with you, if they want to come and they want to learn more about this and really dig in to all of the fun candy that you've put on the table for them, what do they do to get a hold of you? How can they get in touch? What what can they do to find out and dig into this? Yeah, so
1: I definitely suggest just, just go to the onescreen.ai and you can read some of the resources. You can talk to our team. Um, they are much smarter about this than I am because, you know, I they don't let me talk to customers usually because I use geospatial metadata and things like that. Um, the The team is there to to help people kind of like dip their toes and, and learn. Uh, you can also find me. If you Google anything even close to my name, I have the website. I have the Twitter account. Uh, And I'm I'm always happy to to talk to people, uh, especially mention the podcast because I I love hearing when folks have found us through the podcast.
0: I think that's great, guys. We will put those links into the description. You'll see them all over the place there. And man, what a cool opportunity to go and do something now that is backed by the data that I know. I always wish that it would be there with this out of home advertising. What a cool thing. And Sam, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your knowledge. What a cool journey you've been on and what a cool, cool solution for all the business owners out there to take advantage of. I think this is great. And uh, we're so honored that you joined us today on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for joining us today.